Let's pray together. Lord God, awesome, mighty, powerful God. Lord, your word tells us that right now there are angels surrounding you, praising you, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And so God, as best we can, we come before you this morning and we bow and we just say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Lord, we're here to worship you. God, we are but broken people. We are a broken people. But God, you are the great healer. So you take broken and you turn to beautiful. What we think is so difficult is so simple for you. So God, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. That is our cry to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You know, those of you that, that weren't here when I, when I was greeting everybody, my name's Chris Kellum, and I am the worship leader here at Bellwether, and I have been given the, the task of, of sharing a word with you guys today. And, and look, I want to tell you this. I had like this whole thing planned, man. I thought, oh man, I got this great thing I want to talk about. I've been wanting to talk about this for so long to so many people. And then New Year's Eve, somebody said something to me and I just felt God say, this ain't about you, Chris. You got to talk about something else. And so this is my attempt to listen to God and to share a last-minute nudging at what he has asked me to present and to talk about this morning. Sometimes that's not so easy. And look, let me say this, too. When I was preaching at JA, like I was looking out over a sea of, like, people that I couldn't tell their faces, but, like, Jack's in the very back. I can see your eyeballs from here. So this is a lot more intimate than it was, you know, back at JA when it was dark. Um. Look, I am so excited about what God is doing here. I mean, I really am. I'm, I am I'm so excited that God has brought us here as a body on this corner to go out to the people and to, to do what He's called us to do, which is to be the light. And I'm so excited about what He's doing in each one of our lives. I'm so excited about what He's doing in your lives. And I want you to know there's nothing I love more than watching someone's life change as they say yes to God. It trips me out. You know, it wasn't too long ago that that was me. And so I have a heart for those people that feel completely busted and don't think they're worthy. And I'm excited, man, about what we're doing here. I'm excited about what God is doing here through us. Does that get you guys excited? No, I mean, really. Like, I mean, I want to to know. Are you as excited as I am about that? Because I'm going to sit up here and goob out. I believe uh, God's doing amazing things here. And I I really am, man. I'm so blessed to be a part of it. Um, My daughter, Anna, who's not here anymore, she has challenged me. She has, she's given me, she's told me that in 2014, Dad, you don't need to drink any more soft drinks. Soft drinks? Jill's the one that got me hooked on them. She's, She's hooked on Diet Cokes, and now I drink a few a week, and Anna has just said, you know, I'll do it if you do it. So I decided, all right, 
I'll do that. But it got me really thinking about New Year's resolutions. And this is my New Year's resolution. My wife's going to laugh at this because she thinks every part of my life is so simple. She thinks I only work on Sundays and that my life is just, you know, I get up, I strum a few chords and jam on a guitar and somehow I get to call that a job. But my New Year's resolution is that I am going to keep things simple. I know some of y'all are like, pretty simple life you got there. But no, 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 that's not what I mean. It started here. Look, it started today. Like, I, I really, I want every aspect of my life to overflow into just simple, man, just easy, just like not complicated. Sounds pretty, pretty, I mean, that's pretty good, right? I swear, man, it's harder than you think it is. Especially, you know, my, Polly says my worst trait is communication. I'm going to say there's not a husband in here that's not hearing that same thing. But my goal for 2014 is to keep it simple, and I want it to flow out in every aspect of my life, but more importantly, into the gospel, into the gospel, into the simple gospel of how it's communicated. I really do, man. And um, here, here, here's the deal. God can take our brokenness and turn it into beauty. He can. He can take our brokenness and turn it into beauty. So less complicated to the point to where we share the gospel so that the message of God taking our brokenness and turning it into beauty can be communicated in a much more efficient way than I think I've been communicating it before. So here, here's the message for today. If I want to keep it real simple, here, here's the message. Y'all ready? God loves you, and he takes your brokenness and turns it into beauty. Now, if I was the preacher on coming to America, I'd drop the, drop the mic right there, and I'd walk off the stage, and it'd be done, and y'all would probably be like, let's go eat an early lunch, but that's, I can't do that today. They pay me here at Bellwether, so i got to at least give you two hours. Just kidding. <laughs> give you 30 minutes max. And, and look, in... Uh, in, in 1464, the Aperia in Florence, Italy, they contracted out this guy named Agostino to create this sculpture, this beautiful sculpture. And it was going to be one of a series of 12 sculptures in the Old Testament. And it was for the, the, the Cathedral of Santa Maria del Fiore in Florence. And... Augustino, man, they presented this dude with like this huge block of beautiful marble. And he got as far as the legs and the torso before he gouged a hole in between the legs. Beautiful block of marble, and he gouged a hole in it, virtually ruining that piece of marble. So they hired this dude... And for 12 years, in 1476, they had this dude named Rosalina. And he was going to, you know, come in and, and fix it. And um, he didn't. He worked on it a little while, and then he abandoned the project. And for the next 25 years, that piece of marble lay abandoned and neglected on its side in the yard of the cathedral workshop. 25 years it sat there. 
Can you picture that? Can you picture, like, the big piece of marble? And, you know, in 1400s, it probably wasn't the easiest gig to go get a block of marble and, like, bring it over. You know, how they pick it up. I've been thinking about that all week. How do you pick up something that big when you don't have, like, a forklift? I guess a bunch of people picked it up, but they were so excited. I want, can you picture that? Can you picture how excited they were? Can you picture the dreams they must have had with that? Think about, think about their excitement. Think about, like, think about what they saw. It's going to be one of 12 huge Old Testament sculptures, and now it lay on the ground on its side with a hole gouged in it for 25 years. Considered useless. Then on August 16th, 1501, this young artist, nobody really knew who this dude was, this young artist was awarded the contract to try to restore this broken, busted block of marble. And then on September the 13th, Michelangelo started what would be the statue of David, 17 feet tall, immaculate statue of David. He took what so many people thought was a broken, busted, useless piece of marble, and he created it. And to the pride of Florence, he, cre- he created what's considered today to be one of the most beautiful pieces of art ever created from broken to beautiful. Think about that, from broken to beautiful. I want to ask you something. Any of you need a sculptor in your life today? Any of you need that? Tell me how your life's going right now. Like, what, what's really going on? Now, look, I know one of the things about being in the ministry is I know that there's so many of us out there that feel busted. You come to us and you tell us, and we, we, we know these things. We pray for you. But you feel busted. You feel broken. You feel useless. Is that you today? You feel broken. You feel beyond repair. As we start this new year off, is that you? When I was a kid, probably about the age of my son, who's 12, I had the opportunity to take a school field trip. And we went to this place where this guy, this potter, was working with clay. And he, man, he took this thing and his bucket of mud and water, and he sat down. He was all gnarly, and it had junk all over him, which for, you know, a 12-year-old, that was a pretty solid job. Get to sit there and play in the mud all day. And he took this clay, and he put it on this wheel. The wheel started spinning. And it spun around, and he, he took a thing of what I saw as mud, and he created whatever he wanted to create. 
whatever it was, but that day he chose in front of us to create a vase. So pretty, man. So pretty. And I remember us all looking at him, you know, kind of like, yeah, that's pretty cool, you know. And then I remember him going, anybody want to work the wheel? Like, anybody want to work the wheel? <laughs> yeah, hey, yo, yeah, uh, yeah, muddy dude. And he was like, you. And so I got to go up there and work this wheel, man. This pretty vase was up there. It was still spinning around. He would take like a little stick or something and just touch it, and it would make like this cool squiggly thing on there. And so I got up, he got up, and he let me sit down, and I sat down, and the first thing I did is what I'm going to say every 12-year-old does, and that's stomp on the gas as hard as you can. And when I did, the wheel went to flying, and that beautiful vase started spinning, and then it, doop, it fell over on its side. And the sight of that busted vase on its side as the wheel slowed down, because obviously I backed off of it, was a little weird for me, and I thought, man, I am toast. I have so screwed up, and I was, I have to tell you, I was, I was really scared, man. I was really scared. And so, I remember thinking, now what? Now what? And I watched this guy as he got up, and he just kind of moved me over to the side, and he sat down, and he took that what I thought I had ruined, vase. And he started putting his hands on it. He started putting pressure back on it. And he took that busted clay and he turned it back into a beautiful vase. Back into a beautiful, beautiful vase. Right there in front of all of us. I mean, he did. And I have to say, I was, uh, I was blown away by that because something that was so nasty and something that was so broken was now a pretty vase, again. And right there in front of everybody, right there in front of me, the potter took something that I had destroyed and he created something perfect. Something that was useless. He made it perfect again. I thought I was in trouble. I did. I, I, I thought I was in so much trouble and as I looked at him, I'll never forget the look that he gave me was this little bit of a, like, smirk on your face. Like a smile as it turned into something beautiful. And he'd fixed it. And it was as if to say, man, I got this. It's all good, brother. You didn't do anything wrong. I'll never forget it. From broken to beautiful. Y'all say that with me. From broken to beautiful. If you have your Bibles today, or if you have your phones or whatever little gadget you may have brought in here with you, you can pull up Jeremiah 18. It's going to be on the screens also, but it's, we're going to read verses 1 through 6, appropriately titled, The Potter's House. Jeremiah 18, 1 through 6. be on the screen for you to follow along. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you a message. 
So I went to the potter's house, and I saw him working the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me, O house of Israel, can I not do with you what this potter does, declares the Lord? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, O house of Israel. Does that sound familiar? Because it sounds awfully familiar to me. And so I want to ask you something today. As we start off 2014, I, I want to ask you two quick, quick questions. One, will you allow God to work on you? Two, will you allow God to form you? Will you allow God to work on you? Will you allow God to form you? Look, I want one of the first things that you hear in 2014, and you've heard it before, but I want you to hear this. I want us to start the year off hearing this. God loves you more than you can ever, ever imagine. God loves you more than you can ever imagine. God loves you more than you can ever imagine. Yeah, Chris, look, man, I got that, dude. I got that. I've been hearing that my whole life. Jesus loves me. This I know. I get it. Boy, the Bible tells me so. I get it. I've been hearing it. I grew up hearing that. You need to hear it again because there's a lot of us here that we, yeah, we, we hear it all the time. But I want you to, not only do I want you to hear it, I want you to process this with me. God loves you more than you can ever, ever, ever imagine. Here's the cool thing is he's standing right beside you with his hands out. He's begging you, take my hand. Take my hand. Take my hand. That's why I use Jeremiah. See, Jeremiah was his prophet. And Jeremiah, when he was called to be a prophet, man, he was this little young dude. Some say he was around 13 years old. But as he got older, he heard God say, go to the potter's house. And so that's, God was using Jeremiah. Jeremiah would go to the people of Israel, and he'd be like, y'all got to repent, man. Turn to God. Turn to God. Quit acting like a bunch of maniacs and turn to God. That's my version. That's how I hear it. He was begging them to quit relying on yourselves and rely on God. They were using, I mean, they were, they were doing all kinds of crazy stuff. They were turning on God over and over and over. And God would say, hey, come on, come back to me, come back to me, come back to me. And they would turn on him, come back to me, and they would turn on him. They would worship something else, some idol. And so, as they worshiped these idols, I mean, I don't know what it was, money. Maybe they were kicking in the nightclubs trying to get nice camels or nice cars. I mean, what, whatever it was. But they were doing everything to turn away from God. And he continued to try to get them to come back to him. He was begging them, man, take my hand. Take my hand. They're like, no, man. They go do something else, and he'd do something to them. And... Can you hear it? Can you hear it? O house of Israel, can I not do with you 
what this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand. Can you hear it? O house of Israel, so are you in my hand. O house of Israel, so are you in my hand. Can I not do with you what the potter does? O house of Israel, O bellwether church, like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand. So are you, Joseph. So are you, Kenneth. So are you, Armin. So are you, Tyler, Jill. So are you, David. So are you, Audra. So are you, Margaret. So are you, Mom and Dad. And so are each one of you, like clay in the hands of the potter. So are you in my hand. Several, several years ago, I was asked to speak and play for this youth event. I went, and, and when I got finished speaking... This girl named Amy came up to me, and she said, can I talk to you? And I was like, yeah, cool, man. So we, you know, went over, we sat down, and Amy started confessing all these things. Amy started telling me that, man, I've done this, and I've done that, and I've hurt so many people. And I was like, Amy, I understand. And then she started, I could tell, she started tensing up. And all these things that were on her chest, she started sharing with me. She would share a little more and a little more. And the tense, it's, it's just, you could feel it. But then Amy looked at me as if I was her father. 16 years old, she looked at me and she said, Chris, I've been with so many guys. And when she said that, I saw a brokenness that I had never seen before. Tears falling, falling from her eyes. I mean, broken down. And it was something that has pierced my heart, man. It's hurt my heart. I've never forgotten it. I tell Polly and I talk about this all the time. I mean, I've never forgotten Amy. You see, to Amy, she wasn't worth being loved by God. That's what she thought. To Amy, she wasn't worthy. To Amy, she had done too many bad things. To Amy, she had too many skeletons in the closet. To Amy, she had hurt too many people. To Amy, this. To Amy, that. To Amy, this. Yada, 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 yada. Amy felt like she was not worthy to be loved by the Almighty God. And all I could say to Amy... Will you please listen, Amy? A brokenness I couldn't, I can't describe it. The heart of a 16-year-old girl broken. Deep, deep inside her heart. She felt unworthy. I want to ask you a pretty hard question. And I want you to be honest with yourself. With yourself. Is that you? Is it you? Because it's been me. Is that you? Do you feel like you are broken beyond repair? And that God's just not going to love someone like you? What's that, what's that thing deep down inside of you 
You know, you know what I'm talking about. You're the only one that knows about it. That ugliness that you can't stand, that nobody else knows about, that you think not even God wants it. What is it? Verse 3 and 4 says this, So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him work in the wheel, but the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred. It was marred in, in his hands. So the potter formed it into a pot, shaping it, get this, as seemed best to him. I love that. Man, I love that. As seemed best to who? As seemed best to him. As seemed best to God. If you want your life to be shaped by God, quit running. There's some of you out there today that you're saying, man, he's preaching to me. Well, I am because I've been there. I know what it's like, and I'm telling you, quit running. In whose hands? In God's hands. He's your father. He's your father. He loves you. He wants what's best for you. He can't say it many, any more times than he did in Scripture. He wants what's best for you. He wants you to live the life to the fullest. Just talking about that to the, at the worship, with the worship team back, back there. When we do this, when God's hands are stretched out to us and we say yes, He always does what's best for us. Like clay in the hands of the potter. So are you in my hands. And so I ask you again, will you allow God to work on you? Would you allow God to form you? Like clay in the hands of the potter, so are you in my hands. From broken to beautiful. As you sit there right now, I know that there's some of you that are there that are thinking about the last couple of days, maybe, last couple of weeks. Maybe it could be the last few years. But something tells you that God's been, God's been talking to you. God's been calling you. I don't know. Maybe you've taken him by the hand. Maybe you hadn't. But is he? Is he calling you? Is God calling you? Is there something that maybe you were doing before that, like, all of a sudden you're not doing or you don't want to do or something just doesn't feel right? Or when you want to go to church and you don't go, that guilt that you feel, and God's saying, man, come on. Like clay in the hand of the potter. So are you in my hand. Do you feel it? Do you feel it? I think there's those of us here today that know God's calling you, that know it, but you're scared. And you're running from Him. Here's the hard thing. At least this is how it was in my life. I was scared that if I did just this Jesus thing, that people would think I was a nut. Well, guess what? People think I'm nuts. And I love every second of it. They think I'm nuts. 
I took God's hand as he reached out to me. And I've seen so many people take his hand as he said, here's my hand, like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you. And they're thinking, no, 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 man, hold up, I got all this junk in me. Dude, I can't do that. And God's like, like clay in the hand of the potter. He's like, oh, house of Israel, oh, Bella, here. Take my hand. Take my hand. Some of you may be scared that you're going to fail God. You know what the good news about that is? You can't fail God. The moment you say yes to Jesus, you can't fail God. So what what do we do? All right, Chris, you've thrown all this stuff out. You've thrown us this scripture. What do we do? Well, the short answer is we turn our lives over to him. I mean, let me explain this. Just real quick. All right, since the time of Moses, since, uh, since the Old Testament, the Jews have always known that God's punishment for sin was death. Like, I know we think about that now, and it's like, oh, man, that's kind of weird. But See, the Jews knew it because death, sin to them was a capital offense. And we, in the New Testament, have heard that the wages of sin is death. Well, see... God set up this system back in the Old Testament, the old covenant, the old agreement, where he would use animals, or we would use, he would allow us to use animals to shed their blood, and they would die in our place for our sins. Now, I had a hard time with this. I used to have a very hard time with this because I thought, man, that's just crazy, man. What is, all, what is that all about? But then I realized that, man, this was a way of life for thousands and thousands of years. It was God's covenant with Moses. In fact, in, in uh, Leviticus 17.11 says this, The life of the body of the sacrificial animal is in its blood. I've given you the blood on the altar to purify you, making you right with the Lord. So then Jesus comes, and there's this new covenant. It's this new covenant. God says, all right, look, instead of using animals, now my son, I'm going to put him out there for y'all. He's going to die. We're going to shed his blood so that all of your sins are now forgiven. You don't have to stand there with a, an animal and sacrifice it because Jesus has already done that for each one of us. Romans 3.25 says, People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Romans 5.8-9, But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners, since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ. He will certainly save us from God's condemnation. The moment you turn your life over to Christ, you're a new creation. That moment. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18. And then Revelation 21, 5 says, He who was seated on the throne said, I am making 
all things new. New. Y'all ever heard of Paul? Everybody's like, yeah, dude, we've heard of Paul. Like, he's got the butcher cabinet, down, or the butcher store down the street. <laughs> now, that ain't the Paul I'm talking about. All right, just kidding. Y'all know who I'm talking about. Paul wrote so much of the, of the New Testament. Well, Paul, for those of you that don't know this, Paul was a soldier, and he killed Christians. Killed them. Walking down the street, yeah, man, I love Jesus. He'd take you out. I mean... It's what he did. He writes this. Ephesians 3.8 says, Although I'm less than the least of all God's people, like, although I'm this scumbag, this grace was given to me. Paul wrote this after being a murderer of Christians. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand declares the Lord. I think Paul got this. Amy got this. You know what the irony behind what happened with Amy that night is? Amy's father was a pastor. Amy grew up her whole life here and God loves you. She grew up her whole life here, and everything that I was telling her that night, there was, she had heard it over and over and over again. Amy knew this. She grew up in a Christian home with her dad sitting right here on a stage somewhere sharing the gospel every week. But somehow there was a wall built up, and she didn't get it. She didn't get it. Let me tell you what I saw. I saw her get it. I saw Amy get it. And I praise God almost every single day for that moment. I saw the wall that she had built up get broken down. I saw this, I'm not kidding you. And I know you always hear like, yeah, man, I was like a weight lifted off my shoulder. I'm not, I, I promise you, I've seen a lot of people accept Christ. I watched a car get lifted off this girl's shoulders when she understood this Ephesians 2 8 for it is by grace you have been saved through faith this is not from yourselves get this it is the gift of God the I saw Amy take a marred, broken soul. And I saw her accept the fact that like clay in the hands of the potter, so are you in my hands. Could that be you today? Could it be you today? Because I'm telling you, I've never seen a more broken person than what I saw with Amy. In her mind, she could have been a serial killer. That's how she thought about herself. But just like Jesus forgave the thief on the cross right before he died, he took a burden off of Amy that I've never seen. 
And I watched joy fill Amy's heart. And it's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. So I ask you today, is it you? Would you allow yourself to be formed by God? Would you allow yourself to be changed by God? Would you allow yourself to live life in abundance? Sounds like a crazy question, doesn't it? People are like, what are you talking about, dude? Yeah, I want to live life in abundance. No, 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 no. God's abundance. Would you allow that? Would you allow God to take your marred, broken, that dirt inside you, and form it into something beautiful? The worship team is going to come forward, and they're going to, they're going to, they're going to lead us in a song called "Nothing But the Blood." And the song says, "What can wash away my stains? Nothing but the blood of Jesus." Listen, there's those of you here right now. I know it. I know it. Every time that God's people get together, God's moving. He promises us He's here. And so He's here and He's stirring in your heart. And I want to ask you this. If God's working in your heart, if you're one of those that's been putting Him off, quit running. Quit running. Let God transform your life. Let God take your broken, your your clay, and let Him take you from broken and turn you into something beautiful. Don't miss that opportunity. Don't miss that opportunity. God is so good, and He loves you so much. I mean, He loves you so much that He, after years of calling, come to me, come to me, come to me, He sent Jesus son to die for each one of us and like clay in the hands of the potter so are we in his hands don't allow your brokenness to keep you from him don't do it I'm telling you man I'm telling you it is it's far greater than you can ever imagine For those of you that are Christians, that accepted Christ, maybe you're running from Him a little bit. Maybe you feel Him calling you in other areas. Go back to Him like clay in the hand of the potter. I'm going to say it over and over and over again because I want you to experience what Amy experienced. Whether you believe in Jesus or not, if you don't, I want you to experience it. If you do believe it, I, I want Him to invade every aspect of your life. Why? Because He loves you. He loves you, man. I've talked to so many people that don't get it. They think they get it. For you fathers out there, lead your families, man. God's calling you. He's calling you. He's calling you. And like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hands, declares the Lord. Nothing but the blood of Jesus.
can set you free. Amen.